steps. Angel stood at the kitchen sink, trying to scrub a coffee stain out of her dress, her Burberry dress, the Burberry dress. She had never loved an article of clothing more. The print was perfect, the colors were perfect, the shape was perfect. She felt confident in that dress, whole, pure. It was the last thing her father bought her before the incident, her last tether to a time when life seemed relatively normal, before the therapists, the meds, the institution which was why she never let anybody else wear it, something her roommate, Sloan, didn't think applied to her. Come on, Angel, she said, flopping on the couch, her ever-present phone in hand. It's not that big of a deal. You can't even see it. Angel pulled the dress out of the sink, ignoring the woolite suds scudding down her arm, and presented it to her roommate. A huge, dark brown stain marred the purple and blue print, from the neckline down. Coffee, Sloan. You spilled caramel macchiato all over it. It wasn't my fault. Spencer was screwing around and hit my elbow. Spencer did this? Not on purpose. But he did it, right? I guess. Angel dunked the dress back in the cold water, struggling to control her shaking hands. Who said you could wear it in the first place? It's just a dress. I told you never to wear it. Anything else, fine. But this is my favorite dress. I'll buy you a new one. That's not the fucking point! She gripped the side of the sink, muttering to herself, trying to regain control. The red veil had slipped down again, and as she was going to make it out of this without hurting anyone, she had to remember the steps, the steps her therapist taught her. Step one, take a deep breath. Step two, tense up every muscle in her body. Step three, relax. She did it. She took a deep breath, tensed up, and relaxed, and the ball of anxiety that burned in her chest slowed its manic spin. The veil faded to pink, then to white. She could think again, think about something other than her anger. She looked out the window over the sink and concentrated on her breathing. It was Friday night, the Friday night before fall semester, in fact, and the little city of Fredericksburg was abuzz. Everybody was out on the town, party hopping and bar crawling. Mary Washington didn't have a Greek system, so the closest thing to a frat was the Triangle, three jock houses on Hawk and Prince Edward Street that shared a backyard. Are you going to be done soon? Sloane asked. I'd like to make dinner at some point. Angel glared at her roommate, who was too busy staring at her phone, to notice. All of a sudden, Sloane squealed and said, Oh my God, he's back! Angel groaned internally. He was Spencer, Sloane's boyfriend and starting point guard for the UMW men's basketball team. He'd had a game at Gallaudet that afternoon and had been gone for a grand total of 12 hours, which, if Sloane's morning moping and afternoon sighs were at all an accurate measurement, equated to a thousand years. Now she was all sprightliness and giggles. She jumped up and ran to her room, which was off the kitchen. Crap, she said, coming back out. I don't have anything to wear. Can I look in your closet? Are you kidding me? Come on, Angel. It was difficult to speak through a clenched jaw, but Angel managed a tight, no. I'll let you tag along. You'll let me? Come on. And watch you ram your tongue down Spencer's throat all night? No thanks. 
Please, Angel, he's already there and he won't come get me. You don't want me to get raped walking over, do you? It's literally across the street. Still, Angel groaned, and then it hit her. It hit her so hard that she saw stars. Nothing like it had ever come to her before so fully formed and beautiful. It was an idea, a simple idea, a series of steps, really, shimmering right in front of her, a pristine ball of blood-red light, each move perfectly illuminated. Her anxiety and anger melted away. Her shoulders relaxed. She even smiled. She could pull it off. She could totally pull it off. Okay, she said. Sloan was rendered momentarily speechless. She'd been getting ready to transition from pleading to outright bitchery and didn't know how to adjust. Finally, she said, Really? Take whatever you want. Sloan squealed again and gave her a quick hug. You're the best, she said, and ran upstairs. Angel's room was on the second floor. Angel watched her go, her smile slowly fading until her face was entirely blank. She stayed that way until she heard Sloan coming back down ten minutes later. They met up with Spencer in the living room of the basketball house. Hey, baby, Sloan said, wrapping her arms around his waist. She stood on her tiptoes and planted a deep, passionate kiss on his mouth. Angel looked away, feeling nauseous. Finally, after what seemed like forever, Spencer gently pushed Sloan away. Missed you too, baby, he said. Then, noticing Angel for the first time, he added, hey. She gave him a sarcastic smile. Finally come up for air? He ignored the barb and pointed at her shirt an old burgundy and gold redskins print from the 1980s. There was a picture of a snorting pig on the front, circled by the words, Super Bowl hog power. Skins fan, huh? Nice. Thanks. My dad gave it to me. Sloan wrapped one arm around his neck. Don't get her started about her dad, she said. Why not? He's dead. Angel's mouth dropped open. Why had she ever told Sloan about the worst thing that had ever happened to her? Well, he is, Sloan said. Jeez, Angel, lighten up. You need a beer. She peeled herself away from Spencer saying, I need a beer, before planting another kiss on his lips and strutting through the crowd to the keg. Spencer waited until she was across the room. Then he said, sorry. Why did he have to be so nice? No problem. She's always like that. Uh, Do you want something to drink? Maybe talk to some people? Uh, I can introduce you to my friend Matt. Um, sure. Maybe later? But later never came. She was gone before Sloan returned. She found another keg in the kitchen and poured herself a beer. Not that she'd drink it. That would be an unwise combination of chemicals. But if she didn't have a drink in her hand, she'd have to deal with some meathead offering her one every five seconds, so she used it as a prop. She strolled from room to room, bored. Here were co-eds mashing their bodies up against each other in a parody of sex they called dancing. Here was a group playing beer pong. After ten minutes, she finally found a place to stand next to the fireplace in the living room. It was noisy but not too crowded, and she found that she could comfortably watch from her perch without anybody elbowing her and spilling her drink. The fact that they were carrying on so vigorously in such heat made her dizzy. She was merely standing there and her shirt was already damp. She found herself nodding along with the music blasting from the other room, tapping her foot, almost enjoying herself. 
A wave of dizziness hit her out of nowhere, just like in the kitchen, and she knew exactly what was going to happen next. A boy walking backward will jostle the elbow of a girl, spilling her drink on the rugby player trying to flirt with her. The rugby player will grab the boy by the collar and pummel him in the face. The boy's friends will jump onto the rugby player. It happened so slowly that Angel wasn't sure if it was real or if she was having another episode. Then time sped up with a snap, and one, two, three, it happened just like she saw it. And all of a sudden, the rugby player's friends were leaping into the fray, and someone knocked her drink out of her hand, and she joined the mad rush out of the house into the backyard, the joy and the ecstasy of her prediction coming true spinning her head around and making her feel weak and giddy. Sloane and Spencer were around the corner, standing next to the gate. She knew that already, didn't she? She made a beeline for them. The steps had begun. Step one, engage. Hey, guys, she said. Sloane spun around. Oh, my God, did you see that fight? It broke out in front of me, so... This totally blows. The party was just getting started. Spencer finished his beer and threw the empty cup onto the ground. Guess we're out of beer. Well, let's go get some more, baby. How? Neither of us are old enough. Sloane pointed at Angel. She's 21. I don't know, Sloane, Angel said. I'm kind of tired. Oh, come on, live a little. Angel pretended to consider it. You know what? You're right. I'll do it. But I don't want to just pound them back at the house. Well, where else can we go? Step two, persuade. Have you guys ever climbed up under the train bridge? Sloane rolled her eyes. Train bridge? Like walking on the tracks? No, under the bridge, Angel said. The maintenance access? They stared back at her. No? Really? The view is fantastic. So romantic. I know how much you like romantic views, baby, Spencer said. Sloane rolled her eyes. Fine, but you're not getting into my pants on a bridge. Angel could hardly contain herself. Step three, execute. Angel pointed at the rusty metal door seemingly embedded into one of the concrete pillars. Here it is. She handed Spencer a 12-pack of beer, the one they picked up from the 7-Eleven on the way down, and pushed on the handle. The door opened with a squeal, and she stepped inside. When the other two didn't immediately follow, she poked her head back out. You guys coming or what? Sloane gave her a look. Seriously? What are you, chicken? Angel said, and disappeared again. Bok, bok, bok! Spencer laughed. Sloane rolled her eyes. It was close to two in the morning when they finally reached the first of the arches that spanned the river. But even though they were sweating and a little winded, they found that all the effort was totally worth it. The view was simply amazing. Stars filled the clear sky above, and the full moon's reflection shone on the rippling water below. They could see all the way down to Chatham Bridge. Angel spotted a few fires in the banks probably homeless people jungling up by the water or college kids extending the party into the wee hours. She didn't think they'd be a problem. Sloane took out her phone and took a picture. Oh my gosh, Angel, you were right. This is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. How did I not know about this before? Angel suppressed a snort. It really is beautiful, Spencer agreed. Oh my gosh, babe, selfie. Sloane leaned up against him and snapped several shots, smiling and pouting and winking in each one. You're not going to post those, are you? Angel asked. Uh, yeah, why not? This isn't exactly legal. Whatever. Angel thought rapidly, a chink in the plan. Had Sloane posted any pictures of her since 7-Eleven? She tried not to be too conspicuous as she watched her roommate peck at her screen. Was her vision just a fantasy? Oh, crap, Sloane said. I'm out of data. She put her phone in her pocket. Angel sighed. Crisis avoided. For now. They retreated to the middle of the bridge and sat down, Sloane and Spencer leaning up against one of the support pillars, Angel sitting cross-legged a few feet away, a half-empty 12-pack between them. Step four, distract. Angel tossed her roommate another beer. How many of you have, babe? Spencer asked. Sloane burped. None of your business. 
Angel watched her guzzle it down. She had to time the next step perfectly. She couldn't rush it. She had to wait for the right moment. A relaxed calm settled between them as they enjoyed the night, the view, the thrill of doing something slightly illegal, and she finally spoke up. Do you guys know the story of the Rappahannock River Monster? Sloane rolled her eyes. Rappahannock River Monster? Is this another one of your daddy issue things? No, it's real. Real people died. Okay. Spencer belched and Sloane swatted him on the chest. So gross. I'm in the mood for a good story, he said. Let's hear it. So Angel told them about the drownings, the cycle. When she was done, Sloane said, God, you're so full of it. You know, the spot where it happens is right under the bridge. This bridge, Spencer said. This bridge right here. Angel's heart raced. She flexed her hands. Stay in the moment. Visualize the steps. Don't screw it up. Yeah. In fact, if you look right over the side, you can see the rocks where the last body was found. Spencer looked out over the river. The white light of the moon gave everything a silvery sheen. We're really high up, Angel added. You have to get close to the edge to see it. He stood up, swaying a little, and held his hand out to Sloane. Come on, babe, I want to look. Sloane stood up, too, leaving her phone on the concrete where she sat. She took a step and knocked his beer over. Whoa there, slugger, he said, putting his hand on her back. Sloane didn't seem to notice. I must see. She took an unsteady step forward, and Spencer reached out and held her wrist. When they got to the edge, Sloane clung to his arm, and Spencer stumbled sideways. Watch it, babe. I'm scared. Yeah, well, you'll be a lot more scared falling over. Sloane took another small step forward and peered carefully over the edge. I don't see any rocks. They're really close to the bridge, Angel said. Lean out a little more. Is this far enough? Just a little more. Sloane leaned out, pulling Spencer with her. Whoa, babe, he said. I still can't see them. Angel stood up and took a deep breath. This will help, she said, and took two swift steps forward. Angel awoke early the next morning. She took a shower, making sure to wash her hair twice. She drank her coffee and ate some toast, checking Sloane's phone for any news on Fredericksburg.com. Nothing yet. She knew she'd have to dump it at some point, but she wanted to delete any of the pictures from the night before that had her in them. She left the ones that showed Sloane drinking as well as the selfie she took. When she was done, she scheduled a few posts to Sloane's Instagram. On the bridge with Bay. they pop up in a few days when the new data cycle began. She'd wait until dark and leave it by the bank downstream. Maybe she should crack the screen. When she was done eating, she went over to the sink and picked out her dress. In her anger, she'd forgotten to take it out. She knew better than to wring it dry, so she held it up to the window, letting the morning light illuminate the fabric. Huh. She peered closer. Huh. The stain was gone. Well, that was... Well. Looks like she shouldn't have gotten so angry after all. Hey, hey, everybody. Thanks again for tuning into the Mad Tales podcast. I hope you are enjoying all of the new stories. If you are interested in buying the wounded, the sick, and the dead, it will be available in digital and paperback on Tuesday, August 27. If it's past that, if you're listening to this past that, it's already available. You can pre-order it on my website, jamesknoll.net 
forward slash WSD. So that's J-A-M-E-S-N-O-L-L dot net forward slash WSD. If you pre-order it, or if you've missed the pre-order and you just want to order it afterwards, you get the digital copy, a signed paperback mailed to you, and when the audiobook is complete, I will send you a digital copy of that as well. So the Wounded, the Sick, and the Dead package is $9.99 right now for the pre-order, and the price will go up on the release day, which is Tuesday, August 27, 2019. You can check that out if you're interested in getting it at jamesknoll.net forward slash WSD once again. So thanks again for listening. You guys are awesome. Please keep on sending me feedback and hopefully you'll check out all the stuff at my website or support me on my uh, Mad Tales Patreon. And a bit about the Patreon. There are three different levels of support. You can give me a dollar a month for however long you want and I will give you a thank you and a shout out on the podcast. Uh, You can give me $5 a month for however long you want. And not only do you get a thank you and a shout out, but I will also give you access for as long as you are supporting me uh, to all of my eBooks and all of the audio that includes the audiobooks and the music. And you can get that uh, in the users area of the Mad Tales Patreon account or Patreon account or however you want to pronounce that. And then there is a $10 level. The $10 level gives you both the $1 level and the $5 level prizes, and you also get your own short story from my personalized, my customized short story service. If you are interested in any of that, you need to go to patreon.com forward slash madtales. So thanks once again, and tune in next week for a new short story.